You just go to that site and you'll get a lot of information. But you want to know personally what information is available to you based on your current situation, then go ahead and contact. You can get the contact info for Don or Alex or Anthony Carricker. A couple weeks ago when they joined us out at the Friday Roadshow talking about how uh, veterans can actually transfer their VA loans to other veterans. And, and, you know, the point being is there are a lot of little, I don't want to call them tricks, but there are a lot of um, benefits to being a veteran or living in this part of the state or living over here, doing these things, conditions that may apply to you that so often you just go to your regular bank and you know, they're just like, oh, conventional loan or, oh, you're a veteran. It, they don't know. They're not constantly on top of it. They plug in your information and it pops up the interest rate and the terms and all this sort of thing. Uh, but you get so much more with IWantAGreatHomeLoan.com. And it's why I use them, why I recommend that you use at the very least. I mean, you want to go still talk, visit with, with your bank that you've been with your whole life. Oh, that's totally cool. But I would also recommend that you go to IWantAGreatHomeLoan.com. And then uh, you can decide which one best fits you, which one best services you, which one best is customized for you. And I think you'll find it's IWantAGreatHomeLoan.com because you do. You know, talking in the last segment about where we are as a country today and how the country, the soul of the country that was identified as liberty and freedom and freedom of speech, I think we just have to acknowledge that that isn't there anymore. Now, you and I may still love it, and it could sound like a depressing acknowledgement, but I do believe you can't fix a problem unless you acknowledge it's there. And I don't know whether it's fixing it or not, but the thing about it is there are those of us that will not stop. I mean, this is the upside of you. It's not a sur- recognition is not a surrender. Recognizing that a political party that is largely in charge in this country no longer respects the human rights of, of, of speech, the human rights of religion, the human rights of assembly. And they don't even really pretend to. The human right of self-protection, as noted in the Second Amendment. And that you have these people running tech companies and media companies and that that we as human beings now have to, we try and trick and evade our communication through social media so as to not get censored, which is what the, happens in communist China. And I think that we have to acknowledge that that's where we are. I mean, freedom of speech today is is as respected in this country by the people in power as it is in communist China. Now, they may allow 
in certain areas a greater degree of it than is allowed in China, but it's still control. It's still what they say is okay. It is still the people in charge who dictate what is free speech. And so that part of what made this country great, that foundational component, is no longer respected in this country. But that doesn't mean surrender. That's just an acknowledgement of what we're facing. And is it a battle that we will overcome? Is it a battle that we will continue to fight? Will we be snuffed out? We don't know the answer to these things. But there are, uh, there are many of us that we will not stop. We'll keep fighting. Come what may. Jason Ryman now with the latest news update. Springfield City Council has tabled a proposed seven-brew coffee shop near the corner of Sunshine and Jefferson. City officials say most of the other seven-brew locations average around 800 cars a day. The busiest time is around 11 a.m. when about 80 cars pass through the business. One council member says that would not worsen traffic on Sunshine. The business has faced strong opposition from neighbors. That's Matt Moyer reporting. Council voted against that proposed seven-brew location twice before. A man's body has been found in a burning home in Monette. Fire crews say they found the man while responding to a house fire in the 400 block of 2nd Street. He was in the basement, his identity not known. Anyone with information about that fire is asked to call Monette Police or Barry County Crime Stoppers. Lawrence County authorities working a death investigation west of Miller. The sheriff says a man and woman were found dead inside a home there. Authorities say there's no threat to the community. And Governor Parson is extending Missouri's drought emergency until March the 1st. I'm Jason Rima, Springfield's Talk, 104.1. First alert forecast sponsored by St. Clair of the Ozarks Home Improvement. Sunny 41 for a high today. Clouds 25 tonight, sunny 48 tomorrow, and mostly cloudy windy on Friday 61. Santa's Angels underway. And this is the, the time of the year we do request your help. I don't, I don't, I'm one of these people pretty independent. I don't like to ask people for help. I don't mind with Santa's angels because it's not for me. It's for others. I guess you're helping me help others. This is uh, an annual event that we we uh, uh, put out there in order to try and get kids that are in some of the most horrific circumstances possible at Christmas. These are kids that are no longer either able or allowed to be at home with their parents for a myriad of reasons. And many of these kids have dealt with abuse. They've never even experienced the the connection with another person who thought of them at Christmas time. And so that's why instead of just collecting up items, collecting up random gifts, and then having them handed out, uh, we arrange for these kids to be asked if you were ever asked what you wanted for Christmas, which which is heartbreaking as it is. So many of these kids have never even been asked that question. What would you want? And they make a wish list. And then we put it on trees at some of our area partners through the area, along with their first name and their age. And some of these kids are teenagers, never in their life, their entire Young life, have they had somebody reach out to them and ask them that question? And so that, in some ways, is the the real gift. And we ask that you stop by one of the four locations. You don't have to get all the items. 
uh, on these these wish lists. You can you can you can get some of the items. It's just something that we ask so that they would feel that 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 wow, this somebody listened to me, an adult cared enough to wonder what it was that I wanted, and then to go out while while buying gifts for their own friends and families, and and they 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 made me part of that. And and so that's why it is that we get that list made. We have the four locations at ksgf.com under Santa's Angels, but I will tell you them now. Anchor Tactical Supply on Campbell. A1 Custom Car Care, the, the West Sunset location. Crown Power and Equipment, which is the south side of Kansas Expressway, almost to Glenstone. And Green County Freight and Food Sales on Kearney. And uh, the exact addresses and, and hours of operation you can find under Santa's Angels at KSGF.com. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Look at the stars, look how they shine American Transmissions Talk and Text Line 447 KSGF. Welcome to the show. My name is Nick Reed. We've got Nick's favorite things coming up Friday. Uh, this is an annual event where I hopscotch around the area. Local businesses, highlighting local businesses. Great place for you to do some holiday shopping. Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, whatever it may be. Maybe you have a birthday. My wife is one of those unfortunate individuals. While her uh, birthday is not on Christmas. It's within proximity enough to where there's not real separation. So you just you kind of you, you get the sense that I do anyhow uh, that you get the same amount of gifts as if it were like if it was just one holiday, but they're split. You know, like if your birthday's in the summer, and let's say you're going to get five gifts in the summer, and then if your birthday's at Christmas, you get five gifts at Christmas. Collectively, you get ten gifts. But when your birthday's close to Christmas, you still get like five or six, but they, they just, you know, label some birthday and some. It just seems like such a ripoff. So anyway, whatever the holiday is, the gift buying season for you, we try to hit some of these local businesses and give an idea. Maybe it's a unique idea so you haven't thought about yet. And uh, we do have some really unique ones that uh, I, they're, they're, they feel as if they're just a lot different than what we've had in the past. Though our partners, many of them are the same. We're going to be with uh, Just For Him, ABC Books, Ming Auto Beauty Center, Quick Draw Gun. They are new with us and uh, great partners. I was with them, Sarah and I were uh, over in Monette and uh, just hanging out there earlier this week. Um, Brad, the owner's fantastic guy. If you have a chance to stop in there, I, I definitely definitely recommend that you do so. Great people over there. And so excited to have them on board. We're going to kick the day off at Scramblers, the Friday Road Show, sponsored by Affordable Towing. We'll have lunch at Aviary Cafe. Fantastic place. Um, one of my, my favorites. And then we're going to wrap it up. It's going to be happy hour. Retro Metro, new Lunch Bunch location and happy hour location. And so four to six, we're going to be there. And uh, I believe we're going it's going to be our place to have for those two hours, in fact. And then uh, whomever we're going to uh, draw, one of you that's there is going to all of those gifts that we highlight at each location. You're going to get all of them. 
Not one per, but you, you get the whole kit and caboodle, one giveaway. So that's something that we'll do just before 6 o'clock as well. We hope that you see, we see you, and all the details you can find at ksgf.com for Nick's favorite things. So the earliest demographics to get COVID-19 vaccines, such as healthcare workers, reported a surprisingly high rate of serious complications from the vaccines, according to data that the CDC was forced to turn over under court order. Among the 10 million-plus users of the agency's V-Safe Active Monitoring Smartphone app through July, 8.5 million of whom signed up between December 2020 and April 21st. Before all adults were eligible for COVID vaccines, nearly 8% said they required medical care after receiving the vaccines. 8% medical care. Not, well, I had the chills for a day, or I kind of felt a little bit ill. Required medical care. This is the CDC's own information. For patients ages 3 and older needing such care, nearly 3 and 4 could not rely on telehealth visits. So it was serious enough that they actually had to go in to a medical facility. They were, 48% of them required urgent care, 15% had to be rushed to the emergency room, and 10% were hospitalized. For infants who are authorized to receive the jabs this summer and are enrolled in V-Safe through parents or guardians, hospitalizations were at 2%, urgent care 66%. Another 12% of V-Safe users reported that they were unable to perform normal daily activities, and 13% said they had to miss work or school, meaning that one in three had more than mild adverse reactions. Well, over 10 million symptoms reported were filed each month from January through April of 2021, dropping to 5 million in May and hovering around 1 million for the next few months. The reports jumped above 2 million again in October following Biden's vaccine mandate for roughly 100 million workers. And it dropped to the low to mid-hundred-thousands from January through July of 2022. The V-Safe data obtained thus far are posted by the Informed Consent Action Network as both interactive graphs and several gigabytes of files. It got them through ongoing Freedom of Information Act litigation against the CDC. Those are just the data the CDC affirmatively sought through checkboxes on V-safe surveys, which are sent to users daily for the first week after each dose, then weekly for six weeks, and three, six, and 12 months after the final dose. It took a year and a half to get, quote, five Excel files, which likely took the CDC minutes to download and produce. Notably, chest pains and other cardiac symptoms that could indicate myocarditis and uh, pericarditis now known to be most common post-vaccine in people under 40, are completely missing from the survey checkboxes without which input data are harder to standardize. So in other words, some of the other serious side effects are missing from the survey checkbox. So they're not even bothering asking now. We don't need to know that. V-safe users would have to write in cardiac symptoms on the survey forms, other field, limited to only 250 characters for them to be counted. I can. 
which is the uh, Informed Consent Action Network, is still trying to compel the agency to turn over the free text field data, its lawyer, Aaron Siri, told Just the News. The fact that the agency didn't prompt users to consider adverse events of special interest it had already identified in an early vSafe protocol is, quote, one of the best and most compelling pieces of evidence supporting premeditated wrongful conduct. The CDC and dozens of publications relied on the data from vSafe to argue and support its recommendations regarding COVID-19 vaccinations that upended the lives of tens of millions of Americans who refused to comply. From mandates, according to ICANN's portion of the November 4th filing, uh, the firm alone has heard from thousands claiming serious injuries from COVID vaccines. So what they're noting here is that the CDC had already recognized, according to their own information, that chest pains and other cardiac symptoms were being experienced by individuals who were receiving the COVID vaccine. And then they decided to stop prompting users to, or they stopped putting that specifically as side effects to be checked off. And what this, uh, what the, what they, the, the lawyer is saying here is that, I mean, clearly what this shows is that they, there's premeditated conduct that they knew what they were doing. They're trying to hide this from occurring. But we're still told you have to believe these people and not question them. I mean, this is why when you have a documentary come out called uh, Sudden Death or called Died Suddenly, rather, and you have all the media outlets that worship the CDC, tell you you can't believe that, that stuff isn't true, but they still go to the CDC as a source that has been caught time and time again purposefully misleading, hiding information, putting out false information. It is just a disgustingly amazing time that we live in. And to what it's this is another component of America that it is shameful to see that once upon a time we were a country of thinkers where we did not just accept what authority told us. It, it, it didn't mean that we necessarily fought against it, but we were like, well, we need to see some proof of this. We need to see some. And then if the people in charge would get caught lying to us, we'd be like, you get the hell out of there. But you have a significant portion of the population, and politically speaking, for whatever reason, they're on the left. It does not matter how many times their masters lie, get caught lying. Uh, They just continue to say we have to listen to these people, and anyone who doesn't is anti-science. The intellectual death of such a significant portion of our population. And what's scary is so many of those intellectually dead. I would say it's atrophy. I don't think it's, I think it's just, it's anti-intellectualism. They dominate the media. And that's what's really scary. I mean, I guess that's just part of the university system that, that they manage. Because you think, how can they so have so many people 
who are willing to be lapdogs of authority, no matter how many times the authority is shown to be misleading, uh, inaccurate, lying, whatever the motivation is, whether it's negligence, incompetence, or or nefarious, uh, the fact of the matter is the results consistently turn out to be incorrect. How you could have in an industry like the media, the vast majority of the people all have the same cult-like mentality of, it doesn't matter, that's who we follow. It's just a remarkable thing to observe. And I, 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 do, I guess I know the answer to that. It's the university system that trains young people not how to think but what to think. And, I, you, again, not to keep going back to the cult mentality, but one of the things about cult leaders is, aside from the indoctrination, they manage to get people to turn over all their money in order to be mental slaves. And that's what the university systems do as well. I mean, they'll charge tens of thousands of dollars to teach you how to be a mental slave. It's a crazy thing. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. Hear about it. Hear about I, I know it. I'm beating a dead horse here. Talk about it. Talk about but it. the hypocrisy and the double standards kind of unreal. On Springfield's Talk 1041. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. We've got a traffic update standing by. I wanted to read some of the American transmission. Talk a text line, text messages. One, I'm a nurse. No clot shot, never had COVID. I work the extra hours that the ones who got the shot have to take for days off. Uh, 22-year-old soccer player from Columbia National Team died of a heart attack. There were a, a disproportionately high number. Uh, of uh, international soccer players in that younger age. Well, I suppose you don't have a lot of 40-year-old <laughs> international soccer players, but a lot of those late teens, early 20s that had the COVID shot and they just died of heart attacks. Um, but, of course, if you notice that, you are a conspiracy theorist or something. Uh, another noting, the reason the first people who got the jab experienced more side effects was likely due to the temperature. Remember when they rolled it out, they said it had to be stored at like negative 80 degrees or something. When was the last time you heard about that? Now the shots degrade faster due to not storing them the same way. It will still harm you, but not quite at the same rate. Interesting. I don't, yeah, I do remember talk about temperatures and so forth, but uh, not uh, to the detail that uh, that person texted in. And another note, if I was on fire and the CDC said use water to put it out, I would disregard. Well, they have unfortunately created the conditions in which if you observe the inconsistencies of their behavior and the the way that they often uh, conceal certain bits of information from the public, they have created a massive distrust, um, uh, unfortunately, in that institution. Traffic update. Now I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Yeah, first alert forecast, sunny 41 for a high today. Clouds overnight down to 25, 48 tomorrow. And Friday, mostly cloudy, windy, a high of 61. Aller Building Company, new starter homes, three to four bedrooms, Woodcrest development in Ozark. And underway, brand new homes should be ready in the spring. Golden and Weaver, that is the Woodvale subdivision, uh, up to 3,100 square feet homes, 
three to five bedrooms. And Aller Building Company, I mentioned them to those of you who are needing a new home, wanting to move to either of those areas, but you want a brand new home. You don't enjoy the remodeling aspect. Some people are that way. Like that new home smell, then Aller Building Company, O-L-L-E-R, Aller Building Company. There is this this story, and you may have heard this, that the the White House, they take pictures and put them out there for people to see Christmas in the White House, Christmas with the Bidens. And for the second year in a row, the Biden family is deliberately excluded uh, the seventh grandchild from a Christmas stocking display. The decoration lineup unveiled by First Lady Jill Biden on Monday feature in one room a row of stockings for uh, Biden grandchildren displaying the names of six of the grandchildren as well as Peter Neal, the recently wed husband of Naomi Biden. Deliberately, though, not pinned up with the rest of the family, is a stocking of Navy Joan Roberts, granddaughter to Joe Biden and daughter to Hunter Biden. This is the one that forever he claimed wasn't his, and he finally admitted or had to. Um, I don't. I don't recall if either he did go through the DNA testing or if, upon a court order to do so, he admitted, "All right, it's my kid." But but this is you know, it's kind of your typical Biden sort of scenario. Uh, the grandchild is four year old, four years old now, and this is from this gal that he had met and had a child together, and, and like I said, he's denied it. And this isn't the first year that the Bidens have shunned the the granddaughter, and you know the story itself. Yeah. This and this may be the best thing, frankly, for that little girl. I mean, in all reality, and I'm not trying to be facetious. When you hear about the, the, just the information from Joe Biden's daughter's diary itself, talking about how she, you know, well, sorting through her demons, recognizing that her you know she was taking showers with her dad or her dad were taking showers with her at a at a very inappropriate age that is not normal stuff i mean that is just i it's it makes it i can physically feel my stomach get sick knowing that that information is out there from her diary and collectively as a nation while you and i may care but the media is like ah no big deal so what he's you know Pedo Joe. That's just Pedo Joe. I mean, his own daughter. And just given that that family itself, what an absolute train wreck. You read the the emails and the text messages from Hunter Biden's laptop and and some of these text messages. The way that they talk to each other. The horrible things that they say to one another, especially Hunter Biden. I, I mean, and when they're not swapping spouses and, you know, what I mean, it's just they really are as white trash Jerry Springer as you can get. And so 
while this story is sort of, I, I think it's out there, and the first impression is how cold-hearted that these people are to deliberately dismiss this child as one of their family, it, it this may not be deliberate on their part as much as the mother's part who sees this family, who probably is uh, aware of what Joe Biden's daughter went through as a young girl with Joe Biden and and just all the other and thought there's no way I even want my daughter to have any any concept that these people are connected to her and so I I view it probably a little different than some people where they think that's awful and and while the motivation from the Bidens may be awful uh, it really genuinely probably is the best thing for uh, that little girl, which is sad to say, but you know sometimes that's just the way it is. Uh, <laughs> that being said, the image of the Bidens deliberately leaving this grandchild off of the mantle of stockings sort of has an exclamation point on it, given the fact that they had stockings for their dog and cat. I mean, that kind of makes it, it's like, oh, that does make it seem much worse. There is additional information about, this story has gotten so weird, and so it's one of these situations that it's not the biggest deal in the world, but it's it's just weird. And it's this Sam Britton, the, this guy, deputy assistant energy secretary that got arrested for stealing luggage or something, and he is a um, gender-fluid cross-dresser that likes doggy role-playing. Like, not do- but dogs. I, it just... Yeah, again, everyone's White House is different. Uh, everyone's circle of influence is different. Um, you know, we're all different colors in the rainbow. But there's this uh, story, I think it's the Washington Examiner, and, like, th- there's even weirder components to this case. So I thought I'd read to you some of that story here coming up in just moments. I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 104.1. The theft case against Biden's non-binary, Biden's non-binary aide, Sam Brinton, is admittedly weirder. Uh, Sam Brinton had a lot to be proud of and thankful for when his selection of President Joe Biden's deputy assistant energy secretary for Spent fuel and waste deposition cleared hurdles. Britain said on social media at the time, I've prepared for this moment in a technical sense for decades. As a self-described gender-fluid cross-dresser with a liking for doggy role-playing, Britain knew his lifestyle might be a hang-up, but wasn't in the end. Uh, this is another, let me just say, I always try to look at things from different perspectives. And on one hand, you just you think, oh my gosh. But on the other hand, one of the concerns that we always have, or should, with people that are in positions of power, is that they're they, that they are vulnerable to blackmail. And I look at somebody like this, and I think if they are letting the world know that they are gender fluid cross dressing with a liking for doggy role playing, I don't know that that's somebody you could blackmail. I mean, it's like, what, what, if, if that person is like, there are a lot of people that might do that sort of stuff and they kind of keep it private. This guy led with it. And so I suppose there's a certain security in having people that clearly 
uh, have no problem. People, it's like, what on earth could you blackmail somebody like that for? He tweeted back in June. As one, if not the very first openly gender-fluid individual in federal government leadership, I was welcomed with open arms into the Department of Energy, all the way up to the secretary, whom I shared the stage with in a Pride Month celebration panel just today. He seemed to navigate both roles well, advocating nuclear policies and posing in drag, sometimes with notable trans officials, including Assistant Health Secretary Rachel Levine. Today, Britain is sidelined, suspended in a criminal case, and a tangle of alleged lies to police. The headlines have mostly played up theft charges against Britain, who the Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport Police Department said chose the pronouns they-them. But the case is a weird one because, you know, up till now it was perfectly normal. As the newly released complaint against Britain shows, the police report said Britain took a flight from Washington to Minneapolis-St. Paul on the afternoon of September 16th. He checked no bags. And after landing, he allegedly went to a luggage carousel, pulled a blue blue Vera Bradley bag out, tore off the name tag, stuck the name, uh, stuck it in a handbag, and fled the area of a uh, at a quick place. So my understanding of the reading here is that he he grabbed this Vera Bradley bag, he tore off the name tag, and then stuck the Vera Bradley bag in a handbag, and then took off. And the name tag, you know, your luggage tag. The victim, who police described as a known adult female, reported the bag missing and identified it from a video of the carousel. She said the bag and the contents had a value of $2,325. The report said that the police have a video of Britain later at the Intercontinental St. Paul Riverfront Hotel with the bag. So they got video of him with it. Two days later, Britain returned to the airport with the allegedly stolen luggage and even checked it for flight time or for a flight home. Exactly three weeks later. Now, why it was up until then, I, you know, they, they haven't done anything. I don't know. Exactly three weeks later, Britain was seen in video surveillance returning from Europe to Dulles International Airport with that same stolen bag. That prompted the Minneapolis-St. Paul police to call Britain about the alleged theft in September. Initially, he denied taking anything and then admitted to taking the bag. Oddly, Britain said that the clothes inside the bag were his. Quote, if I had taken the wrong bag, I'm happy to return it, but I don't have any clothes for another individual that was my clothes when I opened the bag, he told police. So he's, so the way that this reads, and I think this is why they note that this story is weird, that he finally admits, yes, I took the bag, but he's claiming that his clothes were in the bag that he stole. Two hours later, Britain called the police back after they apparently just let him go. And admitted to the theft, claiming he was tired at the time and thought the bag was his, though he didn't check one in when he left Washington. So that's another contradiction because he, he never even had a bag to begin with. The report reads, defendant said, when they, you know, because we're using improper grammar because he uh, identifies improperly, grammatically speaking, as a they. 
Defendant said when they opened the bag at the hotel, they realized it was not theirs. Defendant got nervous. People would think they stole the bag and did not know what it what to do. Defendant stated that they uh, left the clothes from the bag inside inside drawers at the hotel. As for why Britain still took the stolen luggage back to the airport to check it in as if it were his, he told police that it was weirder to leave a bag than the clothes. The clothes were never recovered. According to media reports, he has been charged with felony theft that could result in a five-year sentence and $10,000 fine. Well, nothing's going to happen to this person. In fact, the White House, is, they haven't even indicated that he's going to be reprimanded. So here's a felony, which could result in a five-year sentence and a $10,000 fine. And the White House is like, well, we don't know if we're even going to punish him. I, he's not this, – this, this they is not going to suffer any repercussions. Lucky for him, he's not a Republican in the Trump administration. Springfield's Talk 104.1. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 104.1. Sarah. Hey, that's me. Well, if you haven't done this yet, highly recommend. Head over to ksgf.com and click on the Sarah's Endorsements tab. And there you will see my friends over at the Pyramid Roofing Company. Now, whenever you head to the Sarah's Endorsements tab, uh, whenever you scroll down, you will get to see drone footage of the work that the Pyramid crew did on not only my roof, but they also did it on my garage and my cellar. So, it, it looks awesome. I wish that I had some photos up. In fact, maybe I'll do it here in a little bit, but I should do a good before and after because we had a worst case scenario when it came to having a new roof. We needed the whole nine yards. We needed new decking, new shingles, new gutters, new vents, all of it. And the Pyramid Roofing Company, they took care of us. They made the process super simple and they were in and out with just a couple of days. So if you find yourself in that situation where you need a whole new roof, or maybe just a roof repair, highly recommend the fine folks over at the Pyramid Roofing Company. Now, you can find all of their contact information as well as that video at ksgf.com under the Sarah's Endorsements tab. Hey, here's a neat little story. Well, for some of you. Uh, Wilson's Creek National Battlefield, as of January 1st, they will no longer charge an entrance fee to access park grounds. Operational hours for the visitor center, the the tour road and trails will remain the same. In addition to the elimination of any entrance fees, Wilson's Creek National Battlefield will no longer sell America the Beautiful Senior Annual, Senior Lifetime, or interagency annual federal uh, recreation passes. Um, The change is not going to affect the hours of the park um, or any of the programming that they do. And so, I guess... For those of you who haven't gone because you didn't want to pay, you won't have to pay any longer. Those of you who have paid, you won't have to pay any longer. So I mentioned that. Is it KY3 had that story? I'm sure they oh, sent it. Cool. Yeah, there we are. I, you know, every year, I, I don't know if they're doing it this year, but they usually do that lighted trail. Yeah, I, I, it seems like they do it a couple, few times a year. Sometimes they have live music out there. See, I live in those there parts, and so uh, I drive by there often, and I'll see the signs posted live music tonight or the lighted uh, thing going on and and uh we were out there quite a bit whenever the um authoritarians like sh- was sh- they were shutting everything down and you you just couldn't go anywhere uh and so we would go over there and just spend the day walking around and looking at things and it, it, we were there during part times of the day often when there was no one out there at all 
so, you know, it's a nice place to go walk around. And I think you can take your own horses there. I've seen people on, on horseback. Uh, anyway, there you go. No cost to it. Uh, as of January 1st. Uh, President Joe Biden's fumbled withdrawal, which is putting it mildly, from Afghanistan was a propaganda gift to China. His own Defense Department found on Tuesday. The DOD's claim came as part of its annual report to Congress on national security developments relating to China, which it released yesterday. The report suggests that China capitalized on the withdrawal debacle in order to show world leaders that the U.S. is not a reliable ally. Not that they really needed much help. I mean, they all said it out out loud. You had Parliament vote to condemn Biden in the United States. France was saying, what happened to America's back? In England, they they declared that they would no longer, as long as Biden was president, uh, uh, involve themselves directly in any sort of military allyship with the United States. So it wasn't like China had to do a tremendous amount of maneuvering here in order to leverage this, because Biden did all the heavy lifting for them. The This is uh, part of the report reads that the PRC, that being the People's Republic of China, employed multiple diplomatic tools in an attempt to erode U.S. and partner influence, highlighting the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. Biden, of course, withdrew from Afghanistan. I mean, we all know the, the horrible embarrassment, though Biden still claims that it was a tremendous achievement and that everyone agreed with him, including these same world leaders that were publicly asking what the hell is going on. Biden's Department of Defense has focused on China as America's top global adversary throughout his time in office. The report says that PRC is working towards the great rejuvenation of the Chinese nation by 2049 and is also vastly expanding its nuclear arsenal. More great news. Biden, of course, defended and bragged about his handling of the withdrawal, both during and after the process, arguing that there was absolutely no clean way to end U.S. deployment in the region. So he just, you know, very dismissive. Ah, I mean, come on, what'd you expect? There is no way we could have done this any better. He and other administration officials had argued that the process would be, in their words, quote, safe and orderly in the months leading up to the operation, but of course it turned out to be chaotic and deadly and 100% completely unnecessary. Uh, So just another one of the many benefits of getting Donald Trump out of the presidency and getting Joe Biden in there. Under the category of Redefining the word success, President Joe Biden facing heat from one of his most loyal constituencies as Congress is now preparing to vote on a vote that could avoid a painful railroad strike ahead of the holidays. Biden celebrated in September a deal, uh, you know, before the election that he claimed would end negotiations between railway uh, railway workers and their bosses, averting a strike. But that deal... Uh, actually is rejected. 
and they are now turning on Biden as the saga continues. Railroad Workers United said in a press release, quote, Joe Biden blew it. He had the opportunity to prove his labor-friendly pedigree to millions of workers by simply asking Congress for legislation to end the threat of a national strike on terms more favorable to workers. Sadly, he could not bring himself to advocate for a lousy handful of sick days. The Democrats and Republicans are both pawns in big business and the corporations. Uh, So once again, we have another definition of success in Biden's portfolio, he calls the border a success. He called the withdrawal of Afghanistan a success. He's called his economic policies a success. And he's called his dealing with this strike potential a success. Can we please have no more successes out of the Biden administration? Talk to you tomorrow. I'm Nick